President Donald Trump announced a few days ago that he was declaring an emergency to get the money to build his wall. Will this act be his undoing? Some interesting polling indicates that it might. And this week, yet another big presidential candidate joined the Democratic primary contest and virtually guaranteed that we will hear a lot of arguing about one word, socialism. What does that mean for the campaign? Hello, and welcome to the Pundets Tackle Politics. This is Pilar Marrero. And Shuri Bebich Jeffy. We are the Pundets. And, and we're, we're tackling, tackling politics. politics. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Pundets Tackle Politics. We are here at the Echo Park Project Studios in Los Angeles. So, Sherry, as you know, the president avoided another unpopular government shutdown by signing a spending bill that only included $1.3 billion for his wall. Pretty soon it'll be real money. He wanted five. Yes. So instead, he declared an emergency and decided he was going to grab another $6.1 billion that the Congress had already assigned to other things. But I have a test for you, Sherry. Listen to this. Okay. Who said this phrase? Quote, why is the president constantly issuing executive orders that are major power grabs of authority? End of quote. One Donald J. Trump. Bravo, Speaking bravo. of his nemesis, <laughs> Barack Obama. Oh God, you're so good. Okay, here, I have another one. I have another quote. Quote, he may think he's king. He may declare he's a king. But that's not what he is under the Constitution. You, you won't guess this one. I would assume someone like Adam Schiff. But Adam I'm a, Schiff? Yeah. Or maybe Melania. I guess it's Melania. <laughs> <laughs> no. Do you remember Michelle Bachman, the former congresswoman? Oh, I do remember Michelle She's Bachman. She's also referring to Barack Obama. To Barack Obama. The king. So... That's what they said right. about executive That's orders. That's what they said about presidents who want to do things, you know, on their mm. own without the Congress, etc. They called him king. They called him lawless. They had all kinds of names <laughs> for him. So, um, what is what is Trump doing? Is he lawless? Is he a king? What the heck? Well, I think that's on his bucket list. <laughs> I, you know, I Definitely. do think that there are a little hints of a movement toward a sort of, or a desire to move a little bit more toward ad authoritarian yeah. uh, method of governing. Indeed. What's he doing? Well, he's now president. What? He's now president. He's now president. Yeah, he's not going to criticize. If he needs, if he thinks he needs or wants the use of an executive order, and it's very political as well as very personal. It does fit his ego dynamic. He's going to use what he needs to use. Sure. He has got to give that wall to his base as he comes up to his re-election campaign. So why are Republicans now fine with him acting as a king? 
<laughs> if we use Michelle back. Well, wait a minute. I, I'm not sure I'd go that far. Uh, he's not yet a king. And let's remember that George Washington was pretty strong in saying, I do not want to be called your excellency. I do not want to be looked at as a king. And this whole country was in response to a rejection of the monarchy. But again, what he is doing is putting in place the themes for his 2020 campaign. Mm -hmm. However, I will also say, and I'm not being, I'm not intending to be snarky when no. I say this. Um, but it you fits, will be, I'm sure. It fits his personality, and mm -hmm. some would say it fits his personality defects. This kind of autocratic behavior. This is not the 26th floor of the Trump Tower. He cannot simply say jump and have some employee say, oh, yes, sir, how high? Yeah. This is checks and balances. This is government, not business. So I guess um, to fill in the blanks about why some people are questioning this action, obviously a president has the right to declare emergencies. Um, yes, but there is a I mean, process. There is, there is a legal, there, there is a legal That's right. basis uh, for emergencies. And uh, and the problem here is that, and you explained to me this situation very well when I was writing a piece, which, by the way, I'm going to plug a, a little bit later uh, for Good. everyone to read, um, where I was explaining, you know, what's an executive, what's an emergency, what does declaration. it do? A declaration. And, and, and I asked you, you know, um, why is this problematic? Why is it problematic for him to take money that was already appropriated by Congress and say, okay, I'm going to do this other thing? Why is it problematic, Sherry, or well, is it? Well, the Constitution provides that appropriations bills are instituted in the House of Representatives. This is money that has already been appropriated for other measures. That's part of the constitutional argument. There is also the argument that this is a, a new precedent, which at this point does not enlist in law. Now, I don't know this for a fact, but here's the difference. Executive orders have been used before, but they've been used... You mean emergency declarations? Well, emergency declaration Are, by, executive by executive order have been used before in matters of nat natural disasters, in terms of, for example, after 9-11, with th the war as an, an a war as an initiating factor. Um, there's some question as to whether or not building the wall in and of itself is truly a national emergency. Well, we know it's not because he said it. Well, I was just about to say <laughs> it. I didn't need to do this, no, but I'm declaring I want it done fast, is what <clears throat> so, he said. Um, I heard a lawyer say that would be the first line of a lawsuit. It, and if it weren't, I'd send the guy back to law school for another four <laughs> and years. And there's already four lawsuits. Um, no, no, no. Well, yes. At least four two, separate uh, lawsuits. Four separate. Sixteen states have joined in one lawsuit <clears throat> in which California 
is the lead. Right. <clears throat> Just another round in Trump versus California. Yeah. And at the ACLU also filed another one, and there's uh, there's some other At mo- least movement. two more, I think. So uh, I wanted to move to the political because you said, of course, he's doing this because he needs the wall. He needs to do the wall or at least say that he did everything he could to do the wall for his base. But uh, there's some interesting polling that NPR uh, just released a couple of days ago that says that's, that says that Americans in general disapprove of the national emergency by 61% to 36%. They say he's mis- misusing his presidential powers by 57 to 39%, and 54% say this makes them less likely to vote for him in 2020. So he... he In terms of Democrats and independents, those populations are against him using this. Far more against than Republicans. Far more than. So, and then Republicans, we look at Republicans and they're they're in the 80s and 90s. You bet. And 90s. Which is interestingly mirroring his approval, Trump's approval rating. Right. Think about that. Yeah. So, but you know what I found really interesting in the details of this poll is what? that they broke down um, his base uh, and they um, pointed at the numbers among non-college educated whites mm-hmm. and the non-college educated whites actually disapprove of the national emergency by 53 to 43. But white evangelical Christians... The base... So, the, but the non-college educated whites were also yes, part of the but base. this is the hardcore oh, we're oh my talking God. about. Yes, they are because they approve by sixty-seven to twenty-six. Unbelievable. They think there is a national emergency at the border by seventy percent to twenty-two. White evangelical Christians. Why do you what think that is? I I think white evangelical Christians the same the same reason they voted for him. They, there is some sense that. Well, first of all, obviously, you know, there's like the pragmatic, the pragmatic reasons of the Supreme Court. You know, he they don't think about the Supreme Court, but they do are. believe they feel threatened somehow, and they feel he's going to that is true defend their whatever position in the country or something. I don't know what. Don't exactly you think part of it is the cult of personality? I do. I mean, mm-hmm. you know, this is Donald Trump, who in and of himself is the leader of a cult of personality to many people. Plus, you have the conservative radio and TV, Fox News, Rush Limbaugh, you name it, saying we've got to have Sean Hannity. How could I forget Sean Hannity saying this is necessary, we're being threatened, build it or leave it, Donald Trump. So why did Ann Coulter call him an idiot? Because she's Ann Coulter. <laughs> she's a contrarian. She just wanted, you know, once Well, it certainly does help ratings. Yeah. It keeps her on the air. It keeps her in the public eye. Mm-hmm. Okay. So th- we were talking about the, lo- the potential lawsuits of the lawsuits, but now we hear that House Democrats have introduced a resolution of disapproval, which yes. is a joint resolution. And the way this works is that if they pass it in the House... The Senate cannot, I mean, um, McConnell cannot stop it from going through the Senate. Uh, do you think there's going to be Republicans enough to pass this and and get to You mean desk? in the Senate? Yeah. They can't not pass it given the process. But it, it then 
They goes, have to consider it, but will they? Will, well, it, will it pass? If the House passes the resolution, okay. the Senate cannot reject it. Oh, I That's see. That's a part of the process. Oh, However, it will go to the president. He can veto. The president has the right of veto, and then it would take a two-thirds vote in each of the two houses of Congress in order to override that veto. The arithmetic no. really isn't there. But that allows the president to say, I tried. Mm -hmm. And now we're going to go to the court. And the court's going to take forever. And whether or not the court agrees with him, he can then come back and say, I tried. Or he can come back and say, I already built a wall. Didn't you see Well, it, it isn't finished yet. <laughs> but it's almost finished. You know, he can be, he'll blame. And none of, those, none of those people in his base actually live on the border. Or most of well, them Well, most of them. I mean, you know, that is true. Most, most of, them. of them do not. So they don't know the difference. And, you know, it would be risky for him if indeed that wall did get built in, with regard to California, Texas, Florida. They don't really want it either, except for that hardcore base of his. Well, it's go it's going to have to use um, power of eminent domain to take over a lot of land. Right. Well, there's going to be there's worry impacts. about that. Well, there's going to be that is something he's out. gotten around before. Remember, we don't know how this is going to turn out. The only thing I think he's betting on is that if he doesn't get that wall and it doesn't look like he's going to get that wall, it's not going to hurt him with his base. It, it may even anger them enough to come out and vote in significantly high numbers. Okay, so for more about the emergency and about what's next, et cetera, et cetera, refer to my piece da, that da, I, da, da. I, I will post on our website. Um, and uh, I wrote this piece for KCT Public Television, and um, it talks about, it's actually headlined, President Trump and the Border Emergency Declaration, Why and What's Next. So let's take a break, and when we come back, we will talk about the Democratic primary and the S-word, socialism. Stay tuned. So welcome back to the Pundets. Uh, a few days ago, a big candidate entered the fray for the Democratic nomination. Bernie Sanders, the self-proclaimed democratic socialist that came in second last time after Hillary Clinton in, uh, what was it, 2016? It seems forever ago. <laughs> oh, I know. Well, listen, if you really think about it, he has been campaigning for 2020 yeah. for four years That's since true. he last ran for president, first ran for president in 2016. Uh, okay, so Bernie is the 10th major candidate for the democratic nomination that actually declared... Half of them are women. Uh, and uh, do you want to hear what Trump's reaction to this news was? Or, um, I mean, yes. Do you, Pundit listeners, want to hear? Um, so do I. So do I. He tweeted, Crazy Bernie has just entered the race. <laughs> I wish him well. Seems like he likes him. No, he gave him a nickname. <laughs> Sand well, crazy and he Bernie's should, listen, he should <laughs> wish him well. Because I think Trump believes that Bernie is takeable. He can be yeah. rolled, if yeah. you will. 
I think Crazy Bernie is the same old name he used before. But anyway. I think so. So Sanders responded. What's crazy is that a, we have a racist, sexist, xenophobe, and a fraud for president. Anyway, so let's go over the list that we have so far. You have the potential or declared Democratic presidential candidates. Cory Booker, U.S. Senator from New Jersey. Pete Buttigieg, we talked about Just this. say Mayor Pete. Okay, Major of South Bend, Indiana. Uh, Julian Castro, former U.S. Secretary of Housing. John Delaney, former U.S. Representative from Maryland. Tulsi Gabbard, U.S. Representative from Hawaii. Kirsten Gillibrand, a U.S. Senator from New York. Kamala Harris, a U.S. Senator from California. Amy Klobuchar, U.S. Senator from Minnesota. Mm -hmm. Bernie, Elizabeth Warren, U.S. Senator from Massachusetts. And Bill Weld, a former yes. governor. I don't know who well, he is. Oh, he's been around for a very long time. Mm -hmm. And in 2016, he was the vice presidential nominee of the Libertarian Party. Oh, oh he's running for the Republican. Well, okay. he was Republican mm -hmm. when he was uh, the governor of Massachusetts, another yeah. one of those fairly liberal Republicans, moderate Republicans. Then he changed his registration to independent. He's back to being a Republican. So, Sherry, is it too early to say who could be the front runners here? Without question, it's too early. But are we going to do it anyway? I won't. <laughs> <laughs> you know I won't. But go ahead. Hey, Pilar, <clears throat> who do you think is the front runner right no, I, now? I can't do it either. Good for you. Um, At we, least we're being honest. We still have... Uh, you know, the, the, the major question mark of Joe Biden, our former vice president, who hasn't entered the race, but everyone's talking about him. And and he is now at the top of the polls. Yeah. Not by much. By the, 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 not by much, about <clears throat> 10 points ahead of Bernie and a bit more ahead of Kamala Harris, who comes in third. But you're right. He hasn't said yes. And he hasn't said no. Okay. So interesting. So we're going to see how the discussion uh, continues. But I wanted to go back to this issue of socialism because, of course, we know that Bernie Sanders self-identifies as a democratic socialist. What's he, a democratic socialist? <laughs> it's, I, really? it's a socialist that believes in democracy and not a socialist that becomes that authoritarian <laughs> like in some other countries. Uh, and we'll talk about that because I think a lot has to do with um, Donald Trump's idea of what a, a good topic will be or a good a good agenda oh, for, it his, is for one, his campaign. Uh, one of his major themes. So the wall was one, and then second we have the issue of socialism, and, and we, three we have late term abortion. Oh, okay, so the old like red meat for the you base. bet. Okay, so the issue of socialism came up. Uh, with, at his uh, State of the Union. Sure the, did. That was the first time that he actually uh, said something in a, such a public way. At least focused so sharply on it. And he referred to <clears throat> my birth country of Venezuela because right at the same time, the opposition in Venezuela was rising up and, and you know, a, a new president was declared on the sidelines, et cetera, et cetera. And we know that immediately the U.S. took the opportunity to support that opposition against the government of Nicolas Maduro, who's not a democratic socialist. He's a, the a opposite. socialist. Socialist. He's a socialist. <laughs> okay. So um, he's using, ironically, I think I thought it was outrageous when he said 
you know, he compared Nicolas Maduro to the Democrats, I mean, which is what he did in his speech, you know. And I thought, oh, my God, this is what he's, this is part of why he's so interested in Venezuela. Um, just part of the reason. Just part. But, you know, that's part of the reason. And uh, this is one of the things he's going to be running on. You know, the Democrats are a bunch of socialists, and they're going to take your wives and your kids and, and your home and your beer and, and everything you have. The Cold War is coming back. The Cold War is coming back. So how could this discussion play out when we see polling that indicates that Americans now are, you know, more Americans are supportive of raising taxes on the mm -hmm. rich, more Americans are supportive of universal health care, which both of which are part of the socialist Or at agenda. least Obamacare, which the Republicans tried or, to dismantle and... Did some, but not all. Not all. Um, I am currently under Obamacare, so I can tell you it's still working. At least here in California. In California, it's so, working well, people. But it's, just, it's working. Don't everybody well. rush over just for Obamacare, okay? Yeah, no. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so um, we're. It's going to be a red scare, neo McCarthyism. How would you say that? McCarthyism. McCarthyism. McCarthy. Without I'm question. Such a hard time pronouncing that. McCarthy. McCarthy. Senator Joe McCarthy. It's going to be like a neo-McCarthyism of a campaign. A senator who just ran around rooting out, but quote, we, communists, end quote. We were in the in the middle of the Cold War back then. or, or Correct. Was it, what, in what, the 50s. Okay. So could it work now, you think, Sharon? No. I think that's an excellent point, an excellent question. Um, there's no Cold War. There's no McCarthyism at this point. It's a different political environment. It may be as nasty. It may be as polarized. But the definition of socialism has evolved. It, is, it doesn't mean what it did when it characterized the so-called red menace. People know that there is a role, most people know, that there is a role for government in helping out with health care, with social programs. Nobody, I mean, nobody wants to turn their whole world over to the government, to an sure. authoritarian right. government. Yeah. So socialism doesn't mean that where we're concerned. There is no pure socialist state. Maybe Venezuela and Cuba come close, and there's no pure democratic state left in the world. That's interesting. Think about it. What does that mean? No pure democratic state? Yeah. I don't even know what that means. <laughs> <laughs> it, ain't, it ain't ancient Greece, okay? I, 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 <laughs> that's hilarious. Um, okay, all right. Uh, I, it's it's going to be something to watch, but I think um, it's going to be interesting also because the so-called socialist ideas like taxing the rich, yes. like expanding health care or keeping Obamacare um, are now part of the larger democratic agenda. It's not just Bernie Sanders. Right? Well, and to a certainly extent. Bernie Sanders has taken credit for that. Yeah. But a, a lot, many of the new progressive Democrats in the House of Representatives have taken those issues and, and run with it. Think about this, and I think this is also a part of what Trump is doing. 
basically, when he talks about America is not a socialist country and we will not live under socialism, that is kind of a not-too-subtle criticism of those new progressives, Mm -hmm. the Democrats, who have come to Congress and who have identified themselves as AOC as, as, quote, democratic socialists, end quote. And that kind of criticism from the president is now only going to grow louder and louder with Bernie Sanders in the race. You bet. Exactly. It's interesting because it's he he is facing reelect a reelection campaign that's a little bit on you know under a question mark because we're not gonna, we don't know where in the process of the investigations we're going to be apparently What's very soon um, so he's preparing you know he's very loud very scary campaign um, I was we, when we were talking today I I remember the book what's the matter with kansas exactly uh, written many years ago where the author i cannot remember tom frank okay tom frank indicates that the way that the gop has been successful in meeting in attracting the votes of people who are you know in middle america who are essentially not really the economic class that they benefit That's- when they govern it's by using this kind of uh, is by using religion. Is by using you know. Um, at some point, they use it. They used uh, um, gay marriage. Right? That's mm. no longer guns. on the. That's no longer on the table. Uh, guns, um, and now you know again socialism and obviously and abortion is abortion always a case and immigration and, and immigration. fear. I mean, yeah. the people of Kansas should have been yeah. Democrats because it was the Democratic Party back then that was the, the beacon for economic issues. But the Republicans were much closer in terms of the social issues. And that's where, despite the problems, the economic problems in Kansas, that's where voters went. Mm-hmm. They were more comfortable with the social stances of the Republican Party. Now, things have changed dramatically. Yep. And I think we're going to see that. And we're going to see people making choices based on that change and based on either an intense fear or a disgust with the use of fear. And with that, we... We'll go to a break, and when we come back, we'll share our nominations for this week's Political Earthquakes. Stay tuned. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the Pundits. My Political Earthquake this week is a very personal one. And frankly, it's not shaking things up as much as I think it should. That is the dramatic increase in anti-Semitic rhetoric and events throughout Europe. Why? What's going on? And what might it mean? It worries me a whole lot. Look at France. The French government this week reported a big rise in anti-Semitic incidents last year up 74% from 2017. President Macron 
said France as well as other parts of Europe have seen in recent years, and I'll quote, a resurgence of anti-Semitism that is probably unprecedented since World War II. Gravestones have been spray-painted. Swastikas were discovered in a cemetery in a small town. And I have to tell you, having seen and experienced the remains of the Jewish ghetto in Warsaw and the destruction of grave sites and gravestones and the use of the main synagogue as Nazi stables in World War II, if this makes me very, very nervous. People have been arrested. A man was arrested because he directed a torrent of hate speech toward a, a Jewish philosopher, called him yelling Zionist, go back to Tel Aviv. How does that sound? Like, go back to Africa? Have we heard that here? Go back to Mexico? Have That's we right. heard that here? And yelling, we are France, a lot like Make America Great Again, isn't it? Another really personal reference for me was the spay painting of photographs of Simone Veil, one of the feminist political philosophers I studied as I was going for my PhD, the first woman minister in French government, the first woman president of the EU, one of the most powerful women when it came to shaping women's rights in France. Also in Germany, anti-Semitic events, incidents up dramatically. Um, and Macron has pointed to what he called radical Islamism as one of the reasons for this. He argues that this is a major motivator in the poor communities, the multi-ethnic communities in France. Well, what does it mean? What does it mean? In Britain, too, seven labor ministers, parliamentarians, resigned because of the stances of the party and the party's leader regarding Brexit, yes, but also anti-Semitism. One of those who resigned talked about the bullying over anti-Semitism, and I assume also because she was a woman, that she suffered in the hands of her own party's membership. What do we have to do? What does this mean? Well, it's too close to what my parents have told me about, and my grandparents have told me about what happened to them as Jews under Hitler. Yeah, but in addition, we've got to take a strong look at the impact of social media, where a lot of this has started. It has started in America as well. We've got to take a look at what happens with us versus them mm. rhetoric. And in all honesty, a lot of you may not like this, but in reality, we've got to take a look at the reality that Donald Trump has given us all permission to be bullies. Hmm. That's my 2.0 earthquake of the week. I mean, it's, it's, uh, it's I, I try to grasp what the moment we're leaving 
um, mm-hmm. because when I, you know, when I was born, I was born in the 60s, and then I grew up and learned about the Second World War as part of history, and we were supposed to have overcome the worst of humanity, and now we are in a new civilization, in a new world where we have all this democracy, supposedly, right? Um, of course, that wasn't a, a general uh, a statement. Not everyone, not every single country was dem- a democracy. That was a very bad but, time. And we learned America. we can't impose <clears throat> democracy. Right, but, but it seems to me that if we are going back uh, in civilization in some ways. And I think uh, social media only reflects the people that use it. Um, but it certainly has become a tool that is, it, it can be very, um, uh, it, it can be, it, it can be very, it can, it can be very badly used. And, oh, yes. And deployed. Anyway, um, let's. One point. Yeah. A very wise philosopher once said that those who do not learn from history yeah. are condemned to relive it. And perhaps that's exactly what we're going through okay, so right now. And one more point. Leadership or lack thereof plays a part in that. Okay, because my earthquake has to do with something that also has been happening a lot, and it is um, racist and discriminatory behavior towards people who speak Spanish. And there have been several events of this nature in the last few months. Just this week, two um, U.S.-born Latinas residents of the state of Montana sued the Border Patrol, because back in May they were stopped by a Border Patrol agent who checked on them because they were speaking Spanish at a store. One of the women made a video. You can you can look it up. It's kind of it's kind of interesting to see. Uh, one of the women made a video with her phone, where she asked the officer, "Officer, please tell me on in the video why did you why did you come up to us and start asking for our papers and start you know." <sighs> And he said, well, um, because I saw that you guys were speaking Spanish, which is very unheard of here. Where was this? Montana. Oh, of course. So <laughs> it, it's interesting that he said it like it was the most normal thing in the world to stop or, you know, interrogate someone or ask papers from someone who is speaking Spanish, right? So they just sued the Border Patrol. They are the Border Patrol is likely to lose this suit because yeah, I think I it's pretty so. obviously unconstitutional. <laughs> but I wanted to bring it up because we've seen a number of cases lately of incidents like this, less institutional because the other incidents that I'm going to talk about are not by a, a, an authority figure. But for example, over the last weekend, this woman started screaming. In, this was in a restaurant, in a Mexican restaurant in West Virginia, okay? <laughs> this, this white couple were having dinner, and all of a sudden, apparently, she hears the manager of the restaurant speaking Spanish, and she just goes apeshit. She starts screaming <laughs> at the manager of this restaurant for speaking Spanish, and, of course, somebody started taking a video, which you can also see if you look, at, look for it. So part of what she said during the video English is our first language, so you need to speak English. Get the fuck out of my country. So then a staffer came forward and told her to stop talking like that to the manager. You know, he's Mm -hmm. my manager. Stop talking to him like that. You sound like a racist. And she goes, I'm not a racist. 
And I'm like, really? <laughs> and she gets up and she goes, I got raped by illegal aliens, mm. fucking rapists. Looking at the manager, right? So it sounds familiar, doesn't it? Well, do we remember when Donald Mm -hmm. Trump declared his candidacy, talking about how Mexico sent us their bad hombres, the drug addicts, the racists? But he still says it. It wasn't just that time. He said it. Well, that's what stuck. (laughs) Okay, so there's another case. This blog where I often write uh, for called Latino Rebels just published this letter that was sent to a resident of an apartment complex in North Houston by, a, by, by the management of the complex, asking her to speak English only in the lobby of the building. So let me read you this letter because it's incredible. So, quote, the United States of America is an English-speaking country, and those who come to the United States or born here should learn to speak the language. It's rude to sit in the lobby and speak Spanish when there's a resident sitting in the lobby as well who does not speak it. And wants to overhear. Oh, this is funny. The exclusion of the non-Spanish-speaking person is unacceptable. So... Apparently, somebody complained, right? The, most of our residents speak English. However, the conversation in the lobby and activity room is primarily Spanish. This is grossly unfair to the 25% who do not speak Spanish and needs to change. Listen to this. Only 25% don't speak Spanish. Don't speak Spanish. <laughs> and the management... Uh, to- uh, democracy. <laughs> one of the definitions, majority <laughs> rules. It's amazing. So, so obviously... I'm sure there's going to be another lawsuit there, <laughs> and they're probably going to lose it as well. But what does this mean, that people feel uh, that they can do this? That somehow? is the question, isn't it? I mean, would they do this? Would they even think of this if it were not for this environment, in another environment? Maybe they would think it, but yeah, they, maybe they, they would not think say it. it. And, and let's also remember one of the wonders of the new technology is yeah. the smartphone camera. Well, indeed, and the, the, the video, uh, the video, the taking video of all these events uh, has allowed it to um, has allowed us to be informed about what's going on in, in mm-hmm. you know in private places, even like in in that restaurant, and and uh, that's that's positive for the technology, Sherry. I know we sometimes criticize social media. Social media and the technology also show us who we are and what's going on in our midst. Anyway, that's our show for today. We'll be back in two weeks with another edition of the Pundets Tackle Politics. Please follow us on Twitter at TPundets and on our Facebook page, The Pundets Podcast. You can also find us on iTunes and Stitcher and pretty soon on Spotify. I'll let you guys know. Our website is thepundets.com. Please write to us with questions or comments at thepundetsshow, double S, thepundetsshow at gmail.com. Many thanks, many, many thanks to our audio engineer, Carlo Lopez. Please visit his homepage or he'll nag us to death. The homepage is theechoparkproject.com, and there... You can find information about his New York-style Latin band and his studio, which provides recording and producing services, and to us, which is really important. (laughs) Thanks, Carlo, and thank you for the Pundet's theme music as well. And many thanks for listening, everyone.
The Pandettes will be around in two weeks to tackle the wild, wild world of politics. Bye, Sherry. Bye, Pilar. See you in two weeks. See ya.